Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, coming up on this edition of the podcast, highlights from the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Christian Media Convention in Nashville. Johnny Erickson Tata visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at NRB to discuss a variety of topics, including experiencing God's presence in suffering. You'll be hearing from that conversation coming up. And at NRB, as Ravi Zacharias, who was scheduled to speak, recovered from emergency back surgery, his colleague, Abdu Murray, replaced him in the lineup. And before he addressed the opening session, he visited with me to share elements of his personal testimony, accepting Christ after being a devoted follower of Islam. His comments are ahead. Plus, Ashley Bratcher played the lead role of former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson in the movie Unplanned. You'll be hearing about the impact of that role on her from an NRB conversation. And on this edition of The Intersection, some great analysis of the pro-life movement was provided at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention by Brad Mattis of Life Issues Institute and Mallory Quigley of the Susan B. Anthony List. Their comments on the continued funding of Planned Parenthood by American taxpayers are included ahead. Then comments from NRB by Tricia Goyer. She and her family set a goal to reduce grumbling in their household, and she related how the experiment went, including what did and didn't work, and some principles they followed. Finally, at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at NRB, Carol Swain of Be The People News, a former professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt, identified cultural trends she's observing that run counter to the teachings of Scripture. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Johnny Erickson Tata is founder of the Ministry of Johnny and Friends and speaker on the radio program of the same name. Even though she has been a paraplegic for most of her life, she continues to trust the Lord and give Him the glory in the midst of her suffering. Some encouragement now from the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. This is Johnny Erickson Tata. I'm sure our friends listening can hear that... uh... Breathing for me is not easy, which makes talking a little challenging at times. And uh, real quickly, I was rushed to the hospital last year this time with significant breathing problems. And I was told that uh, being an aging quadriplegic, my lungs are just giving away. And so my heart has to beat faster to get more oxygen Mm. because my uh, CO2 levels in my blood are so high. So my heart beats faster but my lungs can't deliver and so I was gasping for breath but now Bob they've got me on a breathing machine at night and so my body gets a fresh infusion of oxygen and uh, my levels now are are good and I'm happy about that but I just have to be careful and uh, and just breathe deeply during the uh, yes. day and makes her a nice day on that machine at night other than that I feel pretty good that's great and you have gone through two rounds of cancer, basically, having yes. completed. How long ago was that the, the last bout? Well, the second bout was in December of 2018, okay. and I've got a PET scan coming up in a month, so I'm praying that uh, it'll be clear. But you know what, Bob, if it's not clear, if I've got cancer, uh, it won't be a detour into what otherwise is a rich, full, and meaningful life. It'll be the highway that God wants me to take. Yeah. And um, I'm prepared, my husband is prepared for good news or not so good news because I know whatever the news, God has planned it, God has allowed it, there's a purpose in it, and His grace will sustain us. 
And so onward and upward, right? Absolutely. I think you just answered my next question because there are those that could become just by virtue of having to to deal with quadriplegia on a daily basis and what that involves. What it involves to be, Johnny, for you to actually come here in your wheelchair and to be part of NRB, to do this interview, to do the incredible ministry that God has given to you, that is certainly a... I would rate that to be a challenge. It's a challenge, when you, when you yeah, To the understatement there. And then when you think about almost a year ago being rushed to a hospital with the breathing issues, someone might say to God, why me? Or not again, this can't be happening. Isn't this, en- I mean, isn't this enough? How do you avoid that? Well, Jesus himself promised something. He said in the Gospel of John, In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. God has wired this world to be very difficult. It's because it's broken. It's broken because of our sin. So there's gonna be pain, there's gonna be disappointment. So the Bible also says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals which come to try you because they test your faith. That's also echoed in James chapter one. We're told to welcome those trials. Um, Welcome them as friends because again, They come to test our faith and produce in us the quality of endurance. Oh, Bob, I can't wait to get to heaven and have Jesus look at me straight in the face and say, Johnny, I allowed this to happen in your life. I allowed that cancer. I allowed quadriplegia. I allowed those breathing problems. I allowed the pressure sores. I allowed the lung infections. But with my grace, you made me look so good. You made my (laughs) grace look so sufficient. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the the joy of your master. Bob, I can't wait to hear those words. And so if God in his wisdom permits one more trial to occur, whether it be cancer or whatever, I know that they come to test my faith and prove my confession of the gospel in that Jesus is ecstasy and, and and he's worth anything. He's ecstasy beyond compare, and it is worth anything to be his friend, no matter what the trouble. And I pray, Bob, that these good words inspire our listeners to look at their trials in the same perspective. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, do everything without grumbling. Hmm. The Bible thinks we can go through life without complaining. Isn't that amazing? So I challenge our friends on Faith Radio today uh, after they... uh, after they get on with their afternoon or morning, I challenge them not to complain, but to welcome that trial as a friend, to realize it's come to test, to prove, to make more strong their faith, so that in persevering, one day they'll hear those good words from their Savior. Well done, Mm. good job. You made the Father look good. Johnny Erickson Tata here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website, Johnny, J-O-N-I, and spell it out, friends.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2020 NRB Convention in Nashville, Abdu Murray, Senior Vice President of Ravi Zacharias International Ministries and a member of the speaker team who is also the author of the book Saving Truth, Finding Meaning and Clarity in a Post-Truth World, discuss the importance of relating biblical truth into culture. In this conversation highlight, you hear about his conversion experience having come out of Islam into Christianity. 
Here now is Abdu Murray. I was uh, pretty serious about it, and I was very proud of being a Muslim from an early age, uh, and I would engage Christians, mostly Christians because while I was an equal opportunity sort of faith knocker out or whatever, um, it was Christians who were more low-hanging fruit, you know? So I would engage with them far more often, and I'd ask them questions like, why are you a Christian? And oftentimes they would say tradition, and I would give them my objections. Like, that's not good enough. You haven't thought it through, but I thought it through for you. And along the way, there were some Christians not many, but there were some who knew what they were talking about in terms of how to answer an objection winsomely and effectively. And that started me on a nine-year search into the gospel and to find out the intellectual, uh, philosophical, scientific, theological, and ultimately existential reasons as to why the Christian faith makes sense. Um, and it took me nine years. But uh, it took me nine years because the answers weren't hard to find. I could find those in a couple of years. But embracing them is true was a little bit tougher because it was an identity switch for me. Um, I liked being Muslim, and um, I didn't want to give that up. But I ended up giving my life to the Lord after nine years, not because the answers were hard to find, because they were hard to accept, but they were worth accepting. And I'll tell you, I've been doing this now for quite some time, and I've been a believer for 20 years, and it's been 20 years absolutely worth it, hardships and all. Well, and when you... When you look, you mentioned something that was very interesting, that when you would debate as a Muslim, when you would debate Christians, they were the ones that you found to be the low-hanging fruit. (laughs) That's quite an indictment there. So what now, as someone who teaches Christians how to defend their faith, what what have you observed in the church as far as the church's ability to— speak clearly and boldly and affirmatively about the Christian faith. Sure, and one of the reasons why they were low-hanging fruit was because they were just demographically more abundant. Um, But also it was a little easier to pick on them because Christianity was comfortable, you know, in the 80s. It was comfortable to be a Christian. You didn't have to respond to challenges. Now, that's no longer the case. You have to be ready to respond to the challenges. So I won't say an intellectually, you know, vacuous religion was out there. That's not what the case was. It just there was a bit of a laziness because no one was challenging. Well, now that's the case. It is no longer boring to be a Christian, and it is no longer optional to be an intellectually lazy Christian because the challenges are coming culturally, intellectually, scientifically. We have to be ready, especially because our, our message is the message that this culture needs yet rejects. So we have to be ready to do that. I think the church, and um, this is important because I'm not a church basher. It's a difficult job to be a pastor nowadays. It's it's pastor as CEO and minister. Um, And there's so much going on. And so at RZIM, what we want to do is we want to help churches to do what they already know they want to do in the first place, which is not only disciple folks um, in the disciplines of spiritual formation, but also in the discipline of apologetics. It's offering a winsome defense of the Christian faith in a way that not only defends the faith, but commends the faith to people who don't have it and to understand different cultures and these kind of things. So there is a need now, and the church is on the forefront, actually on the front lines of the battle, and we cannot afford to not be trained intellectually anymore. So, um, and when, when we see churches that are engaged, and we see a lot of them now, more and more, Lee Strobel called it a golden age of apologetics, where we're actually seeing people, young people, more and more interested in apologetics, not just to know stuff, but to be able to communicate the heart of the gospel um, through the head and through the heart and the emotions at the same time. 
So I'm encouraged, Bob. I really am. I'm not discouraged by it. I'm encouraged. Is there way more work to do? You bet. But is it happening? You bet that as well. Abdu Murray here on The Intersection. You can find out more information about the ministry by going to rzim.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Ashley Bratcher, the lead actress in the movie Unplanned, telling the story of former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson, who, by God's hand, was let out of her abortion clinic work. Ashley Bratcher visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at NRB to talk about different aspects of the movie and her work in it. Here now from that conversation is Ashley Bratcher. Prior to knowing who Abby was, I was one of the people that was on the fence. I didn't necessarily know if I was pro-life or pro-choice. All I knew was that I didn't want to have an abortion and I wouldn't have an abortion. But after I heard her story and she described what she saw and what happens during an abortion procedure, I felt like I had a revelation because I, I was so naive prior to that. I had no idea what happened during the procedure and I'd never really done any research of my own to make an informed say. And hearing her testimony it it really just put me on my knees it was so incredibly moving and then having her say that she felt accountable for nearly 20,000 abortions during her time there and knowing that she laid it at the foot of the cross and taking it to Jesus and asking for forgiveness was what changed her life that was another really compelling part of the story for her to make a 180 like that and put her faith in Christ Well, you've had the opportunity, obviously, to meet Abby and to work with her. What was that like, and what sort of relationship have the two of you developed? It's always very unique when you get (laughs) to act and portray a person who is living, and you you want to do the best job that you can possibly do. You feel like you have a responsibility because you want them to be happy when they see the final product, and I think that she was. We've had a very good relationship. Uh, She was very pleased with the film. I admire her very much for her tenacity and what she's doing around the world. She is a fire starter. It's really hard to listen to Abby Johnson speak and not want to get up and do something. Mm. Ashley Bratcher is joining us today. She played the role of Abby Johnson in the movie Unplanned. This is NRB 2020 in Nashville. So, Ashley, this is a film that... I think if people watch it honestly, it's something that can really generate a variety of emotions. It is a very stirring film. It's a film that that hopefully will make people think. And in the process of making a film that deals with such subject matter, what sort of challenge, what are some of the, the biggest challenges, maybe one or two of the biggest challenges you faced in making a film of this type? Well, as I mentioned, I didn't have any prior knowledge on the topic. It was something I kind of jumped straight into. And once I had made the decision for myself that I was pro-life, I wanted to know why. You know, why had I made that decision? I wanted to be able to articulate to others who had conflicting opinions what it was that changed my mind. So I'd say the research was the most labor-intensive part of making the film because I'd never worked in an abortion clinic. I'd never experienced what Abby saw. So taking myself to a place that wasn't easy to see was part of the process that was very challenging. So as you look at the final outcome, what would what would be your thoughts or, or response as the as the movie became a finished product? Oh, the what first the very first time that I saw the film, I remember just crying, just crying like a baby. 
because what most people don't realize is there's so much CGI uh, and an actor looking at the ultrasound screen when I was doing that scene all I saw was a sticker on a screen there's nothing for me to look at so when I saw the finished product it just ripped me apart and I, I, it was almost like an out-of-body experience watching the film and I remember sitting halfway through it and thinking to myself huh this is actually a really good movie <laughs> and then I was like oh wait I'm in this movie how cool <laughs> but it was it was really awesome that the story was so compelling that even as the actor I was able to sit back and kind of take it in so now we're we're looking back almost a year later. Movie has made a theatrical run. It's available on home video. What are you hearing by and large from people as far as the effect of this film? It's been so incredibly empowering for very for a very significant amount of the population who's seen it. Not only are people changing their mind and they're becoming pro-life from being pro-choice, but there are women who've had abortions who have found healing from it. Men as well have been deeply affected by it. Um, it is going global, and we're seeing that countries outside of the U.S. are are also utilizing it as a tool to to really put a face to the victim. Because what the abortion industry looks like to me is a silent holocaust. We don't see the image of this baby that's dying, and for the first time, I think Unplanned does a does a really great job of delicately showing that to people in a way that they have compassion and they most people want to stand up for injustice and I think it's stirring that up around the world. Ashley Bratcher here on The Intersection. You can find more information about the movie at the website unplannedfilm.com. You can find her on Twitter at underscore Ashley Bratcher. Well, this is The Intersection, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by visiting meetinghouseonline.info. You can also go to the programming section at faithradio.org to access The Meeting House homepage. You'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection podcast. The podcast is available through the Media Center as well as by subscription through iTunes. Plus, there are two blogs accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including recently added content from this year's National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more at meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting faithradio.org. The Meeting House homepage is accessible through the programming section. Well, moving on now from NRB 2020 in Nashville, Brad Mattis, the co-founder and president of Life Issues Institute, which is the pro-life grassroots partner of the Susan B. Anthony List Education Fund, and Mallory Quigley, vice president of communications at the Susan B. Anthony List, visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central to discuss a variety of pro-life issues. Here, some comments on the continued funding of Planned Parenthood by American taxpayers. Here now are Brad Mattis and Mallory Quigley. All the polls show that about a third of rank-and-file Democrats identify as pro-life, and when you ask them about actual legislative proposals, things like the five-month abortion ban, things like the, the, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, strong majorities of Democrats are supporting that legislation. So you're right, where are these people going to go? I humbly would ask that if 
for you, the number one issue is unborn human life. You need to take another look at President Trump and what he has done for unborn children and their mothers. This man has kept every promise that he has made to the pro-life movement. And um, by your fruits, you will know them. And he, he is doing a fantastic job of advocating pro-life policy, things that will protect the lives of the unborn. He brings it up at every rally. He was the first president to speak in person at the March for Life. Uh, and But it's not just words. Like you mentioned, the Protect Life rule. Um, he's been advocating the, the pain bill be brought to his desk. Uh, we're tracking all of this at lifeontheballot.com. It's a really great resource for listeners, lifeontheballot.com, to understand where all the candidates stand. And um, we know that the life issue has the power to change hearts and minds and, and to, to swing votes. Well, Brad, President Trump was the first American president ever to speak at the March for Life. You had people, even people within the Christian community, that were questioning his motives for being there. There are, are people that claim to know what President Trump believes. Of course, they look at some of his past statements, which are admittedly pro-choice statements. But if you look at the record, for whatever reason, whatever his motivation might be, you can't argue with the results. Oh, absolutely. And he's got a record a mile long, proof positive of what he has done. Um, in the early campaigning last election cycle, uh, pro-lifers asked for four certain things, and he said, I can do that and more. And ever since then, he's been doing more. Time and time again, he's bringing that up. Now, I understand how people may have issues with the personality of Donald Trump. Sure. And it, fr from coming from a Christian point of view, but I remind those people that the Bible is full of individuals that God used very well to further his cause. David, King David, uh, had an adulterous affair and he committed murder to cover it up but still God used him effectively. God is using Donald Trump uh, very very effectively to advance the cause for unborn babies and their parents. He is the most pro-life president ever. That was Brad Mattis of Life Issues Institute. We also have Mallory Quigley from the Susan B. Anthony list here in the Meeting House on Faith Radio NRB 2020. Well, I have one more federal question with respect to legislation. That has to do with this whole Planned Parenthood issue. Planned Parenthood is an enormously profitable operation, and the huge majority of its income comes from taking the lives of unborn babies. Yet, with all of this profitability, American taxpayers, that's us at this table, people throughout this room here at NRB, across our country, throughout our radio audience, taxpayers are subsidizing the profitable abortion organization, Planned Parenthood. So why is this so hard, Mallory? Why is it that it seems like that our Congress doesn't is not able to get this done? I know there's plenty of opposition. There are politicians on the take from Planned Parenthood, but what are the dynamics I, I, here? I appreciate the question. It's a difficult question because we came so close to defunding Planned Parenthood of not just the money they received through Title 10, but all federal funds um, during the fight to repeal and replace Obamacare. And at the 11th hour, um, the late Senator John McCain, he changed his vote. And that was, came as a huge shock to the Republican coalition. And 
uh, to the pro-life people who were who were hoping to see Planned Parenthood defunded in that moment. Um, you know, we we don't have 60 pro-life votes in the U.S. Senate. We have a pro-life majority, but not a 60-vote majority, and that's what we need to um, to defund Planned Parenthood through any other means other than reconciliation, which only requires a simple majority, and that's what the Republicans were attempting to do there. I think what the change, the the the, the reason for hope is that. The, the defunding Planned Parenthood was not controversial. That's not why Senator McCain didn't vote for the legislation. Um, and it, it was something that was supported by the entire pro, uh, Republican coalition, and they've come a long way. Mallory Quigley and Brad Mattis from NRB 2020 here on the Intersection Podcast. Learn more at sba-list.org or lifeissues.org. Trisha Goyer, the author of the book, The Grumble Free Year, 12 Months, 11 Family Members, and One Impossible Goal, visited with me at the 2020 NRB Christian Media Convention in Nashville. She elaborated on her family's experiences in reducing grumbling in the home. Here now is Trisha Goyer. I wrote what I thought would work, and none of the things that I wrote actually worked. But as we were going through, I realized that instead of coming up with this idea like, let's do a gratitude jar, let's do these action steps that I thought would work, really it was looking at our hearts, asking God to help us, me looking at myself like, why do I grumble? Why am I getting so stressed out over the laundry and the kids? And those types of things instead of being thankful to God. So really, I had the action steps. I thought, we're going to do this, this, and this. That didn't work, but it really was. Once we looked at God's word and said, you know, really, when we are discontent, we are saying, God, you're not doing enough for us. You know, even though he's brought us all together in a family, we've adopted all these kids, he's provided for us, this underlying grumbling is saying, God, you are not taking care of us like we think you should, um, which is exactly what the Israelites were doing in the desert. And so we would read those stories together. And so all those action steps almost didn't work and they became our heart motivations as we started looking like what does God really require for us and so it was a lot simpler than all the things I thought would work. Trisha Goyer joining us today National Religious Broadcasters 2020 in Nashville. Well Trisha it's very interesting and it was not too long ago that right here at our booth here in the exhibit hall Johnny Erickson Tata mm-hmm. was here just sitting across the table from where we are, and she was talking about Colossians 2.14. I believe it's 2.14. says, do all things without grumbling grumbling and and complaining. complaining. Yes. Okay, so this is a biblical concept. God has something good Mm -hmm. in store for us if we cease to grumble. You look at somebody like Johnny who is so full of, of joy and compassion. She's a paraplegic. She's gone through two cancer battles within the past few years, has had difficulty, was hospitalized at this time last year. So here you have a person that has plenty yes. to complain about, but yet she's made that quality decision in her, like you say, in her heart that she's not going to be a complainer. So there's there's a lot to be said about the power of God's word to change our hearts. Absolutely. And we, our kids, we read through Exodus. And so, you know, the Israelites grumbling and complaining is uh, we get so tired chapter after chapter grumbling and complaining <laughs> and it came down when God says you will not enter my rest you will not enter my promised land because of your grumbling 
It was, you know, they, he delivered them from slavery, yet it was the dailiness and not having the leeks and the garlics and having to eat manna every day. And they're complaining that they didn't get all God had for them. So sometimes we think it's not a big deal. We think like anger might be a big deal or outbursts or all these things. But God, they didn't get the promised land because of their grumbling. I think it's a bigger deal to God. And I, I love that you um, brought Johnny up because I, I, I mean, I just remember reading her story as a young girl and just how amazed that she can have that attitude, but it's, you know, all of us have things that we can grumble about, but really it's choosing to say, God, what you're doing is enough for me. And in this moment, I'm going to be thankful, even though it may not be easy because having all these kids, it's not easy. It's daily basis. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of um, things to do, but really it's, it's saying, God, I am thankful for who you are, what you're doing in my life. And um, I'm not going to grumble. And it's interesting. I'm going through a Bible reading program, trying to read the Bible mm-hmm. through in a year, knock on wood, knock on <laughs> table here. That's just something God laid on my heart this year to read through. And so the Bible reading plan that I'm on just recent, I mean, within the past few days, reading Exodus. Yes. What's astonishing to me is you've seen this incredible faithfulness of God to his people, delivering them, parting the waters of the Red Sea, bringing them out of Egypt, saying, trust me, providing them with food, and in, within just a matter of chapters yes. in the Bible. Now, I realize there's, there's a passage of time that's represented there, but you, it, it didn't take long. No. I mean, they're out. They're out of the oppression of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. Wow, shouldn't we be more appreciative than this? But they couldn't do anything but grumble. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and it's amazing as we think about God's faithfulness to us and how quick we are to do that as well. Absolutely. And during this year, you know, we never know what's going to happen during the year. And we started in August. In November, my grandma broke her back. She lives with us. She's 90 now. She was 87, I think, when we were doing our year. She broke her back. And I think, I don't have time to worry about this non-grumbling thing. I'm just taking care of getting up during the night with her, all these things. But it was her, even with the broken back, she has dementia. So she always wouldn't remember why she was laying in bed she would sing and praise God. She would praise God, she would pray for her family, and my kids would like, look, we grumble about the littlest things, and she is flat on her back in bed, and she's praising God, and just realize, like, whatever we hardwire into our hearts, that's what's gonna come out during the hardship. Trisha Goyer here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, Goyer, G-O-Y-E-R, dot com. Finally, from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, former Princeton and Vanderbilt professor Carol Swain of Be the People News shared about some of the trends she has observed in culture. Here now from that conversation is Carol Swain. Parents are not protecting their children. We are not protecting children. There's evidence that the hormones that they give young children to prevent uh, puberty, the puberty blockers, that it weakens their bones, it affects their bodies in ways that are detrimental. And once they get a sex change operation, and once they take those hormones, it's irreversible. Why are we not standing up for our children? It's pretty clear that the, that the, the left devalues children at every stage. And I have to say, as you're talking about this, as we are talking just two days ago, separate committees in the Alabama legislature, one in the House, one in the Senate, voted overwhelmingly to send a bill to the floor of the respective chambers that would ban this practice that you just described as far as giving minors gender change treatment, which would be puberty blockers and hormones and even surgery. And that is something, talking about speaking out, 
residents of Alabama have an opportunity to speak out and contact their legislators and encourage them to pass this legislation. Carol Swain joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is NRB 2020. So Dr. Swain, as we continue our conversation, I know we're, we're wrapping up here. It's, this whole thing about cultural Marxism, it's become very attractive. You can see, it is so odd when you see so many millennials, college students, young adults that are indicating an affinity for socialism in America and embracing a Marxist worldview perspective. Tell me how that, as you see it, contradicts the way that our country was founded and the Judeo-Christian ideals upon which it was founded. First of all, the young people that are embracing socialism, they have no idea. They're not grounded in history. The New York Times has something called the 1619 Project, and that is a revisionist narrative of America's founding. I am part of a group now called 1776 Unites, and the, the 1776 Unites, started by Bob Woodson of the Woodson Center, we are about uh, telling the true story of America and the true story of, of race relations. And in 1776, that was when the nation was founded through the Declaration of Independence. Uh, 1619, uh, uh, with slavery, that's not the story of America's history. The story of America's history is a nation that, um, where we had the Emancipation Proclamation, where people have always tried to correct their wrongs, and where if we embrace Christian principles, our identity is in Christ. It's not in our race or gender. The Marxist agenda is to divide. We are about uniting people. 1776 unites. And one further, one further question. We're we're looking at about a minute or two remaining. If that's okay, CRT. You mentioned critical theory, critical race theory. Yes. Lay that out for us, if you would, because we hear about that. Even I know that's been a major issue within the Southern Baptist Convention, to which you right. are, to which you belong. Tell me why critical race theory is of great concern to the body of Christ. Well, last year the Southern Baptists adopted a resolution to use critical race theory as an analytical tool. The problem is that it comes straight out of Marxism and it frames the world between oppressors and victims and it argues that white supremacy is ingrained in the fabric of America that all white people are privileged all of them are oppressors and all minorities are victims and it cripples uh, minorities but also it um, it paints a false picture of America and who we are it's quite divisive and universities and colleges and some Christian academies are using diversity inclusion officers to push that radical agenda. It's a sex agenda as well as a race agenda that will tear apart our nation and our families. Carol Swain here on The Intersection. You can find her at BeThePeopleNews.com. 
Well, this has been the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the website faithradio.org and going to the programming section. At The Meeting House homepage, there's a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast is also available through the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Plus, there are two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from this year's NRB convention. Content from The Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting faithradio.org. Go to the programming section of the website. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.